0: Hi, I'm Daphne Tideman and today I want to talk to you guys about growth stagnation together with Faye Lodder. First a little bit about us. I joined Rockboost, a growth hacking agency as the first employee uh, years ago and was with them for five years working with about 100 different clients to help them grow and deal with their growth challenges and from there on I moved to the brand side and worked as head of growth of Hites, a brain care company and now I'm coaching various startups in how to grow and deal with their growth challenges. And I'm joined today by Faye, who I've worked with at both Rockboost and Heights because she is so incredible that after I left Rockboost, I immediately asked if she would come and help out at Heights as well. And she also has a background in growth consulting as well as now working as a growth consultant for multiple different brands. Uh, so I'm really excited to talk with had today about growth segregation because it's a topic we've talked about a lot in the past and I think it's something that we've all faced you know at some time growth isn't happening quite how you want it to you're missing your target and at first you're like it's okay you know it's just uh, off week." I'm, I'm sure you can recognize this way definitely <laughs> yeah one week becomes two weeks and then two weeks becomes four weeks and then you know, before you know it, you've been missing in the mark for six, seven, eight weeks. And your boss suddenly is like, okay, we need to talk what's going on. And all you can think is like, oh, no, I'm in a growth slump. And I think it's really important to be open and honest about this. We always talk about all our successes, but what to do when growth isn't happening. Uh, and that's what we want to cover today. Really, like, what is the causes and how to get out of it? So, Faye, maybe you could uh, explain a bit, like, why does this actually happen? Why do we go from an incredible growth month to suddenly, you know, a terrible growth month? And that just leaves us wondering what is going on?
1: Yes. So there are multiple reasons why this could be happening. First, I would definitely look at external reasons, which um, are easier to spot. For instance, competition, or so new competition, joining, or seasonality. From there, I would look at internal reasons, which could be either that You've been building on shaky foundations, meaning that you're doing uh, a lot of manual work on scalable growth. So the resources are limiting you. And second, it could be that. So yeah, you don't have product market fit and you're now suddenly hitting the roof and it's slowing down your growth. So at the beginning when you launch, even if you don't have product market fit yet, you will always see some growth happenings or getting excited like the first orders are coming in and you're like oh this is going the right direction but when you don't actually have product market fit at some point what you'll see happening is that the growth will suddenly stop and you notice that with the numbers that you're getting you're actually not with the conversion rates that you have you're not generating the growth that you need to so from there i would definitely say have a critical look at customer uh, input so reviews and also talking to your customers, interview them and understanding why they've joined and but also what could be reasons that they uh, wouldn't become a customer. And from there, figure out what's happening and yeah, become more aware of the internal um, struggles that you might have that are hindering growth.
0: Yeah, so like you mentioned, there's so many different reasons. And I think definitely agree that customer research is a key part of it. But I think like even before we get to that point, it's really important to mention like how you approach it is everything. I would say like, you know, how you are as a founder, how you are as a manager, how you are as a growth individual isn't determined by how you act when things are going well and it's when it's growing, but how you act when things are not go well. And so it's really important that you don't just start panicking and pointing fingers and trying to figure out who's to blame, but that you really come together as a team. And it sounds really obvious, but I do see it happening a lot that it's like, okay, but who messed up? Why isn't this working? And I always like to think that, you know, if it's someone to blame, you either have a bad recruitment system or you have a bad evaluation system. And when things aren't going well, that's not the moment to just, you know, start pointing fingers and blaming everyone. But that's the moment to come together and work together and say, hey, this isn't going uh as planned. Let's try to figure it out. Let's do analyses, let's see what's working what's not working has anything changed go for all those different reasons like Faye mentioned and try to understand you know where the issue actually is and like you mentioned Faye it can be a product market a fit problem and that's okay because it's not easy to get those fits and what a lot of people don't realize it's not just about having a great product like those foundations for strong growth is about having the right match between your product your market, the channels, and the models. So it could, for example, be you know that you don't have a product product model fit. So you know the business model you have isn't working for the product you're offering. The pricing you have isn't what people are looking for. And you know each of these parts can be fixed, but they just require you know really deep diving and understanding them. We're working from there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I also have this example for a client that I worked for the. We, at the beginning, when we started, we kicked off, we generated sales, but at some point we saw that we were also starting to hit the roof and we were also panicking, of course, um, and wondering what, what, what was going on. And one thing that we saw was that we generated a lot of visitors to the website. So we did see a high click-through rate from our ads, but we didn't see any add to cards. So that was the first thing that we were like, Hmm, maybe, you know or this is definitely an indication that it's not a performance marketing issue it's definitely a product issue we have to go back to uh, the foundation and from there i helped set up exit intent pop-ups and tried to get you know interviews going through our social media followers that we had that weren't customers yet and spoke to them and one of the main things we got back was actually that, you know, the pricing was too high, especially with new competitors that had joined the market as well. So from there, we had to go back uh, to, yeah, the basics pretty much and test different pricing models to find the right fit again. And now for a while, we have seen a lot of improvement in growth again. So that is just one example where I think, you know, it's easy to first think, oh, you know, it's got to be an iOS issue or like our Facebook campaigns are just not working anymore, but definitely take that step back and take a critical look also at the the foundation
0: yeah I love that because I think like you know it's it's often not just like a small thing when it slows down so fundamentally it's often like hey there's something foundational that we might need to do differently like I also you can call it a growth sum but you can also call it growth seeding that kind of like will get you to this point will get you further so for example you know you've been growing just from one channel for example but that just means you're completely relying on that channel. And yes, maybe there's been changes on that channels, but fundamentally you've been relying on too much on one channel versus having a diversified, um, portfolio. And I think like, that's also a really key thing to say is it's like, you know, it's, you can focus on smaller things. You can focus on optimizations, but they're in again, again, you slightly yeah, there's a growth stuff, like if things are really falling behind. You want to see like, hey, are there foundational things we can do differently? Or maybe there are small things that we start testing first, but that if they work, we can do things fundamentally different. And that really has that big impact because like with the example you gave, like really working out the right pricing, that has had a huge impact on it versus just, you know, doing a one-off little sale and and hoping that it then goes better. And then you're just like putting a plaster on the and not really solving Solving the underlying issue.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think you mentioned to me a while ago as well an, an example that you have where how management responded to this issue and how you as a team came together and did actually I think a weekend or something right where you got come together and you did a big brainstorm. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good example. Thanks for mentioning that. It was actually at Heights, and I, I really loved it because we'd we'd been having a bit of slow a month or two, and what we actually did. Because we were all remote, we all met up, or not all of us, but a group of us met up in Portugal and we basically rented out an office there and we just covered the office in post-its with all different ideas, starting from scratch, rethinking how we were doing things, looking at our growth model on the wall and analyzing what was working, what wasn't working. And it was such a nice way to come together in a difficult time. And also because we were in a different setting and obviously I'm not just saying like, oh, fly to Portugal, I will solve it." But just getting out of your usual office, getting out of your usual setting and taking that time to brainstorm without the day to day was just such an incredible way to get out of the same way of thinking because we did get like caught up in like, just like, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's this instead of like really taking that step back. So that was definitely like a really great way to get out of it and i think it's also about like once you then start to experiment around it like not everything will work not everything is going to immediately work like you know you've gotten into a slump that's killed your momentum and to gain that momentum again takes time so i think it's really key to like really think about those learnings but like i think the the challenge is this like you know how long can you focus on just learnings first and, Revenue, like, how do you balance those two? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, pay
1: hey? Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah. Especially working with so many startups, or even startups that haven't even launched their first uh, big campaign yet, it's definitely something that I'm always a bit, you know, scared of. Like, I make a, a, a big part of what I do is also making you know, clients aware of that, you know, experimentation also means learning and growth, but also means failing at times, which of course is also a big learning and something that is needed actually to, you know, to grow. And I think that is also something that I'm trying to balance every day while working with clients. On the one hand, you want you want everyone wants to show, you know, green numbers and and amazing learnings that we can apply. But at the same time it's also A part is also showing not so great news and, and yeah, explaining that this is also, you know, a part of the job and needed actually to grow. It's not only, you know, having positive results that you can apply. So, yeah, definitely difficult balancing those and then also sometimes explaining it to founders why this is also, you know, not only a disappointment when you get not so great experiment results, but actually also can help really figure out where else you sh- your focus should go. So for example, with new uh, clients at the beginning, you do test a lot of different channels. Some of them, you know, require budget, which will not eventually end up giving the results that we ho- we were hoping for. But then at the end I can tell them like, okay, well, at least now we know this is not the channel for us. So we spend the budget for the remaining time on, you know, the channel that did actually work for us. So yeah, I think that's that's one example where it's it's, it's not, you know, it's it's never a great feeling that you have to say, you know, we spent this much amount of budget, but it didn't lead to the results we were hoping for. But at the same time, I'm conscious, I'm of course conscious of this. So I also always work with, for instance, smaller budgets to determine the success and then, you know, scale up, for instance, when it's working or, as, or a kill when it's not working. So in that sense, I also try at least to not, or to like to start small and then go bigger also with experiments for instance on the website like first do an experiment through a Facebook ad see how it works and then decide to set up a huge experiment that takes 10 hours to set up on the website for instance so this is also a way for me to at least you know try to balance it more and be cautious of you know the experiments that I do run I don't know how how in your experience how you uh, work with that.
0: Similar approach with it. And I think you also mentioned something really important about like scaling or killing. I've had this discussion often with like founders and they're like, yeah, okay, but maybe the cost of acquisition is just a bit too high, but you know, if we kid it, it's going to get worse. And I think that's one of those things that get in your way. Like when you're in a growth stump, you get this fear. And I think as you know, when you're consulting, it's a bit easier to just be like, hey, no, this isn't working. We're going to stop doing this. We're going to move on. Like you said, you've tested it with a small budget. You've seen what is and isn't working, you've moved on. But when it's your own company and when growth is behind you, like, Ooh, do I kill this? That is not, you know, is delivering a bit. I'll be at like, you know, 4, 4x the cost of conversion I want. So I think it's also really handy to mention that, you know, you can basically look at it like this. Like if your channel is, you know, 4 5x or more the cost of acquisition, And after like, you know, running multiple tests, it's not getting anywhere closer. Either you need to do something drastically different on that channel. So let's say, you know, you're, you're on Facebook and you have been mainly testing like image ads and carousels. Okay. Now you're going to test video or you have been doing video, but you've just been doing like product videos. And now you're going to test like user generated uh, content. Like then it's okay to continue with it because you're doing something very different. But if you're just going to keep, you know, doing a little bit of ups and optimizations, oh, let's sweep the copy a little bit. Oh, let's structure the campaign site differently. You're not going to get there and you're just going to be wasting time and effort. And if after like even these drastic changes, it isn't changing, you know, you need to say like, hey, it's time to kill. And an exercise I also get companies when they're in a growth stump to, to do to try and work this out is I ask them to work out their cost of acquisition, including time spent. And suddenly they realize that yes, the cost of acquisition is 5X and yes, they want to keep it up, but actually the cost of acquisition is like 15X or something like that because they're spending all their time on this and channels that have been working for them and quietly in the background just keep working without demanding attention are, are, you know, actually a way better ROI or a way better cost of acquisition than the other one, but they're just not focusing on that because of the fact that they're focusing on what's not working and that they actually need to, you know, invest more in those channels and really take the time to work on them.
1: Yeah, makes sense. I think this was also a good example that you just shared. I also was wondering, I mean, we discussed this uh, a while ago as well, and I'm I'm just asking you this question again because it's just the best question ever. But when do you think a founder should just decide to stop? When When do you think that, you know, how long should you wait until you say, you know what, I, I, I give up. I just don't think this is going to work. I think it's
0: the toughest question of all and I could give like the really cliche answer of it. It depends, but I don't think that's very helpful. I think when it comes to knowing whether to continue or not, I think it's again a question of how far are you from it? Like if you don't have a product work fit and you're just starting out and you have the runway, because obviously runway in the end decides all of this, but you can see a future where you could find product work fit, Then I would say definitely continue. Definitely, you know, keep trying and doing things drastically different and not being scared to change things and, you know, admit that some of your first assumptions were wrong and, and really look at what the research isn't, isn't saying. But in other cases, like I know someone who's now a growth consultant who started his own company before that. And he just realized that they didn't have product market fit, that they were offered that there was no market that really wanted what they were offering. Like it was a nice idea, uh, but it was just too niche. And he just said like, okay, I am going to start with this because, you know, it's not even a matter of getting channels working. It's not even a matter of getting the models. I'm fundamentally not selling pe- something that people are willing to pay a price for that works. And I think when you have such a fundamental issue, then yeah, you do have to be honest and say like, okay, am I going to stop or not? And, and admit it. And it's either a question I think of that or a question of runway. And, you know, it can also be that you just do a huge pivot. Like, I had this great story the other day where I think the founders of Slack were actually working on a completely different type of business and Slack was just an internal tool they'd created, but their business completely flopped. But then they just looked really critically and were like, hey, this tool that we've created and that we've been using ourselves to communicate, it has potential for, you know, tweak it and work on it. And then they just, you know, built obviously a huge business out of that. I mean, most people know that, but it was because they've admitted that what they were working on wasn't working. And I think that's also a really tricky thing is like, as a founder, as a head of growth, like you need to have that kind of confidence and and trust, but like, you also need to be able to admit when it's wrong. And those two things are, are quite hard to have together, but are absolutely fundamental to to being able to make those decisions.
1: Yeah, I I honestly, just coming back also to the client that I mentioned before, where we had the pricing issue, uh, yeah, the client was also starting to ask, like, you know, should I just give up? Like I'm so exhausted. I just don't know what's happening. And yeah, I really had to say, like, you know what? like at at least I believed in the, I definitely believed in the products. So I was like, no, let's just we have to zoom out. We have to take the time to really. And the good thing was that the client really was open to actually me also asking these these very critical questions about the product and the pricing. And and we actually decided to go go back, revisit our competitor research for instance, which gave us the insight that, hey, I mean, of course we noticed this, but there were new competitors joining almost every month with different pricing. So, so yeah, I thought that also showed like the openness, be critical to, in this case, the pricing that she applied and say like, oh yeah, this is definitely not the way to go. We have to flip it around. What you also mentioned, like being open to pivoting your, you know, whole product or your whole pricing that you set your mind on when you started the company, I think is really impressive and yeah and its show it actually it shows in the results that it really now everything is going great again and very positive and it just shows for instance, if she wouldn't have been as open as she was then revisiting the foundation, then we weren't where we are now, and maybe we had we we had needed to stop because financially it was just not a a, a, a possibility anymore so yeah, I think that definitely is is an example of how being open as a founder and being open to switching everything upside down is working out best in in your end in the end
0: yeah i think that's a great example and like i think that founders openness is is what's what saved their business and i definitely think that that's a key part and if we just to summarize like you know what do you do growth is running behind i think the first part is, is to look at all those different factors that Faye mentioned at the beginning, like what is causing it, looking also at product market fit from the angle of like, you know, is the product matching the market and the channels and the model? Is the channels matching the market product model? You know, and, and also looking at the model and seeing how that's matching everything and really looking at it from all those different matches and seeing fits and seeing like other issues there. And then really coming together as a team, as one team to not point fingers, but trying to work out like, Hey, where are the issues? What's going wrong? And, you know, just being honest and, and being open to changing things fundamentally running tests, like end of the day, it's always an experiment. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And even things that seem really tough to test, like pricing, face shared, like, you know, there are ways to do that. And then, and then from there, you can really you know, try to work out what is and isn't working and turn it around. That I think just to share one last example, like this company that I know that had this growth slump for 18 months. 18 months. And now they're raising their Series A. And they got out of it too. And they didn't give up because they did have product worth fit, but they were still they weren't focusing enough on the market where they had that product worth fit. They were trying to go after too many from markets and by really investing in that market that was working by also hiring someone on the brand side really working on the brand awareness and and building a brand around it, and making a few fundamental changes as to how they worked and how they even also in terms of their business model they got out of that growth stump and are now growing hugely and it was because like you know what what they also mentioned like They focused on those learnings. They saw that every time they were getting a step-by-step closer to making it work. They were seeing those positive signals and they managed to get out of it. So don't think the world has ended because the growth hasn't happened like for a month or two. It's easy to doubt yourself. We all do it. But you can definitely get out there if
1: you if you come together as a team and, and take the right attitude towards it. Thanks, you guys, for listening in and uh, reach out to us on LinkedIn if you have any questions or want to talk to us about this uh, topic or any other growth topic.
0: Definitely. And we have also share an article on Medium, which walks through this step by step with also a few examples to help you see like how you can approach this yourself and uh, keep working on the, getting out of those growth slumps. <laughs>